Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi there. My name is Jenny Rooney, Chief Experience Officer and host of Adweek's newest podcast, Marketing Vanguard. We're so excited to bring you the next evolution of CMO Moves by bringing you insightful content from our marketing community. Together, we'll dive into discussions with CMOs and other C-suite executives who are tasked daily with making decisions that in incremental or monumental ways move the needle for their brands, their companies, and the customers they serve. In each episode, we'll focus on one key idea or decision, why they made it, what it caused, whether it worked, the ripples it set forth, and how it has defined the person as a business leader. We also address missteps, poor choices, and gambles, as mistakes, of course, often yield the greatest knowledge. In addition, we'll ask each guest to share the names of people they rely on daily, as well as a recommendation for whom we should interview next. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenny Rooney. Welcome to the Marketing Vanguard podcast. Today, I'm joined by Farah Howard. She's the Chief Marketing Officer at GoDaddy. I'm so excited, Farah, for you to be here. Uh, let's kick off the conversation. Farah, thank you so much for joining me. It's so good to see you again. Good to see you too. Thank you for having me. I wish we could be together, obviously, but um, this will have to do. Thanks for joining Marketing Vanguard. Um, this is our our new podcast from Adweek, and I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here because this is a, the podcast in which I'm talking to marketing leaders, CMOs, and in many cases, CEOs who came up through the CMO role who um, are making decisions that are changing the trajectory of their businesses, really. So um, it's just excited to have you here. You and I have known each other now for several years, and it's just been so great to see your personal career trajectory and sort of what you've been doing. And um, what I think is really interesting about you is is the places you've been before GoDaddy. Obviously, now you're CMO of GoDaddy, but introduce yourself by saying, you know, all the places you've been thus far, because I, I just think you've had such an incredible background of B2B and B2C posts. And so talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. I was, well, first of all, thank you for having me. This is, you know, a, a great opportunity for me to get a chance to connect with you. And I was saying earlier to a friend of mine, you know, with someone that I know in person, right, Jenny? Yeah. The fact that we've actually spent time outside of Zoom together feels like an anomaly in this world. I know. Um, so too, too too rare, too rare, unfortunately, now. But I know. We're so lucky. And we're in person. <laughs> but in terms of the brands that I've had an opportunity to be a part of, I'll take you all the way back. Post-grad school, I had an opportunity to start my marketing career at Gatorade. 
as a lifelong athlete and soccer player, it was yeah, a dream job and a great opportunity for me to really get to understand the foundations of marketing. I moved from there to Dell. I spent over 11 years at Dell. I'm actually in Austin now. So both Dell and Austin had a big impact on me. Moved from there to Vans and had an opportunity to help them celebrate their 50th anniversary as a brand, which was fascinating. Headed from there to Amazon Fashion. And now last but not least, I've been at GoDaddy for four years. Oh my gosh. So you bro- you've broken the tenure mold, I guess so to speak. <laughs> Senior, CMOs are usually only supposed to stay at companies now. Um, you know, Well, I guess you're sort of like at that threshold. Two to four years seems to be the norm, depending on what year um, Spencer Stewart is doing a study or somebody else is assessing that. So how do you sort of, what to what do you attribute your longevity at GoDaddy? And, and talk a little bit about your remit there. Yeah. Um, there are a handful of things that I believe has enabled me to stay in this role for four years. One, GoDaddy has changed a great deal since I walked in the door, driven by what our customers need, right? When I joined GoDaddy, we were selling domains and websites and hosting and productivity, like the basic toolkit of digital tools that entrepreneurs need to be successful in the world. And then a pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. And what entrepreneurs needed was dramatically different. They needed commerce capabilities, payment payment capabilities. They needed to do everything that they had prior done in person online and GoDaddy evolved with that. At the same time, we had leadership changes at GoDaddy, which changed the culture in different and positive ways. And so I honestly feel like over the past four years, I've had an opportunity to work at a handful of different versions of GoDaddy. And so Mm -hmm. as a marketer, I think most of us get energy from change and innovation. That's what our job is. Our job is about going to market and creative, unique breakthrough ways so that customers can hear you and that you mm-hmm. can hear them. And so my remit has changed over the four years that I've been here. And so is my scope. And so that's kept it really interesting. It's certainly kept all of us at GoDaddy on our toes because our customers' needs have changed dramatically. Um, you also asked what my remit is. It's broad um, and some of it's probably expected with being a CMO, I'm accountable for how we go to market, specific to media, creative. We have an in-house creative team. But my team is also accountable for some of the things you might expect, product marketing, PR. But last but not least, also GoDaddy.com and all of our customer marketing. So my team is also responsible for running the, the full tech stack for all of our MarTech tools and GoDaddy.com. And so that's been a great learning opportunity for me as a leader to get closer to engineering and experimental mm-hmm. frameworks on how you optimize your own site, which is fascinating because my job is to actually help entrepreneurs build their sites. I'm doing that every five minutes in my day job. I love that. You got an MBA from Michigan. What was your undergraduate study? I'm just curious. Yeah, undergraduate study was um, science. So I thought I was going to wow. be a doctor. You know, I, I love sports, like I said earlier, and my goal was to be an orthopedic surgeon. Um, I probably knew I was going to need one in the future, which I did. <laughs> and I ended up working in a doctor's office in the summer um, between my sophomore and junior year. And I was fascinated with the customer's problems, but I wasn't as fascinated with the work because medicine is, by definition, a bit more rote, right? You have to be really, really good at one thing or a handful of things, but your days are are pretty structured. And I like unstructured, I like new problems. So I quickly pivoted um, and 
ended up graduating with a science education degree, really setting me up more to work in health and wellness. So my, my first job out of school, I actually worked at a medical software company. And then I realized there was this thing called marketing, which candidly, I didn't even know when I was in undergrad. So went back to Michigan to really get the foundations that I needed from a business standpoint and a marketing standpoint, because all of undergrad had been all the ologies from psychology to sociology to chemistry and biology. Oh, that's so funny. I know. I always tell people like the only other, so I was an English major and creative writing major undergrad. Botany was the only other area of study that I loved so passionately. And I always thought, well, if I wasn't going to do this, I would have been a botanist, but that obviously never happened. So, uh, but I did work at a, at my first job was at a magazine covering the um, long-term healthcare industry. So believe it or not, we actually both started out in the healthcare realm to an extent um, in our respective careers. Um, it's interesting because GoDaddy, you know, I, when I think about GoDaddy and when a lot of people do, and frankly, I think it goes back to, it predates you. I mean, GoDaddy was like uh, the pinnacle of over-the-top advertising in the Super Bowl, for example, right? I mean, that's where it just was like in your face, splash, like get attention advertising. Talk a little bit about that history and sort of that, um, you know, where you've moved from that, but also what do you bring forward from that? Right. Well, what I'll say is, and this all was prior to my tenure at GoDaddy, but when I walked yep. in, I was the benefactor of a brand with incredible brand awareness. Sure. Aided and unaided awareness in the U.S. was off the charts. People yep. knew the GoDaddy name. Now, many people didn't know what it meant, who yep. we were, or what we could do for them. And that's really been the journey that we've been on. It's been taking the fact that we have this brand vessel that's well-known but misunderstood. Either people don't know who we are or they, they don't connect with who we are. And we've been on a journey, first and foremost, to help entrepreneurs understand that we were actually a brand for them. And we, we looked at metrics over time. You know, speaking brand language here, like, is GoDaddy a brand for people like me? What we really wanted to do was drive up relevance. And one of the things that I was the most proud of in my first two years at GoDaddy was we we became a brand that was equally for women as much as it was for men. And you could imagine Mm -hmm. some of our prior advertising that wasn't. We really told stories that were broad and about the customer. We did that by putting the customer in the center of our stories. So our advertising was very much about the entrepreneur and what their needs were by telling true stories of customers. Very cool fact. When we advertised with our customers, literally in our ads, unsurprisingly, their business grew too, like by exponential, yeah, exponential growth. So when we advertise the furloughed Cheesecake Sisters, we're still doing this today. They're a, a East Coast company. When we're on air, their business goes through the roof. And our relevance increases and correspondingly, our awareness increases. What we've been doing now for the past two years because our business model has changed, is making sure that customers know not just who we are, but what we do. Right? Mm-hmm. We wanted to make sure we were highly relatable. We could fill our, our brand awareness with, with positive sentiment. And then what we needed to do was make certain that customers also knew what GoDaddy does and did. And that's a journey that we're still on as we move into commerce and payments. Many customers still don't know the amount of jobs that we can do for them at GoDaddy. And that's what the next several years ahead are going to be focused on. 
So we're gonna circle back to that in a minute, but I'd love to have you answer this question. You know, we're living at a time when so much of who we are is supposedly reflected in our social profiles, right? So tell me something about you. Tell, Tell the listeners something about you that nobody would know by looking at your LinkedIn profile. I am obsessed with cooking. I'm obsessed oh. with food. Um, love it. Like, love it. One of my big hobbies, fortunately useful in my family, is you know, at the end of a really long day, regardless, pretty much every day, regardless of what time it is, I'm cooking something. Um, in fact, it was a little bit of a joke with my friends and family that if you wanted to eat dinner at the Howard's house, you had to come over at 10.30 p.m., because <laughs> my work day was stressful. I've got three young kids, but I was always cooking something. It was just probably going to be your second dinner. Is that like an outlet for creativity for you? It is. It is. And it's yeah. really useful. And I'm not the world's most patient person. So I love and appreciate art. I'm not a fantastic artist myself. I'm from a family of artists. And I know that the artistic process takes a lot of time. Yeah. And energy. It does. It does. And cooking takes a lot of energy, but a little bit less time. Uh, some dishes some dishes are more time consuming than others. But you would not know that if you looked at my LinkedIn or you looked at my social um, handles because I really post very little on social. I feel yeah. like I'm a lawyer, right? I'm out there looking at how, how my brand is showing up, the brand I'm affiliated with for work. And I post mm. very little about my life out there. Mm, interesting. Um, if you hadn't been a, the CMO of GoDaddy, what would you have been right now? If your life had taken a different path, I would be a psychologist mm-hmm. or an organizational behavior specialist, which the latter sounds wow. very technical. But one of the things that really motivates me is understanding the intrinsic drive of individuals and then how they work when they're together. I had no idea that that passion actually would be so useful in marketing. And that's a lot of what we do is understanding the individual needs of many and then figuring out common insights. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm really, really intrigued with how people tick. Mm-hmm. When I tell my family that that would be my alternate career, they're like, do you really think you could sit in one spot all day long and just, <laughs> and just listen? I'm like, well, maybe not. But I, <laughs> I do get a huge amount of energy and, and insight from listening and understanding people. Yeah, no, I, 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 I believe that. Um, it's interesting because I'm, I'm obsessed with the collaboration that's required in this industry. And nothing happens in, in the marketing industry to success without collaboration and connection of component parts. And I, I, I do a lot of work with business schools, and I feel like there's so much that could happen in the, in the, at the curriculum level where we should bring in um, socio- more sociology, more psychology, more sort of, you know, organizational um, analysis um, into the marketing education um, curricula. So I get obsessed with that because it is, it's about understanding human beings at the end of the day. It is. And so. when I look back on my career, like I said, I started with a focus in science and I ended up taking a lot of psychology and sociology classes at the end of my four years of undergrad because they were personally motivating to me. I had no idea how applicable they were going to be in my yeah. life. And they are. They are. They matter. And it is the reason that I believe one succeeds in business is their ability to actually understand, empathize, and work with others. 
Yeah, 100%. Um, one of the questions I want to ask you, you know, I've talked to CMOs who are like, I'm sick and tired of hearing about all the rosy stuff, all the things that work, all the successes, only because we all know that marketing is transforming so dramatically in real time that there are going to be missteps. There's going to be stumbles. There are going to be like flat out mistakes. So tell me about a time you either, I'll let you pick. Um, tell me about a time you either chose not to do something and actually that had a great payoff or tell me about a time when you made, you flat out made a mistake, maybe even failed at something, but the learning that came from that was massive and you were able to take that forward into your next move. It's a great question. And one that <laughs> I have a lot of different answers on, but let me give you <laughs> a one because I, I work in a company right now that is very experimentation focused, which mm truly encourages fallibility, right? Experimenta experimentation by design you know, has a low probability of success because you're trying a lot of different things. With that as a backdrop. Oh, go ahead. And let me add real quick, because I feel like pre-pandemic going back, I don't know, five, 10 years, fail fast. We always talked about the concept of fail fast, but it sounds like yours, what, what I'm hearing from you around your environment is fail a lot, right? Fail or a lot. give yourself- Fail a lot, talk, fail systematically. Right. Like, okay. be like, well, that didn't work. All right. I better try this path. And it's, you know, micro tuning that helps yeah. get to a point of success. It is fail fast, but it's fail fast, fail often. And when I joined GoDaddy, I'll tell you about a failure that I had that ended up resulting in you know, a positive on the other side, but walked in with accountability for GoDaddy.com, but only a subset of it. And you know, if anyone listening to us today is a marketer, they they could probably empathize and sympathize with that scenario. Like you own a mm -hmm. portion, a portion of the store, um, and that's tricky. And yet, you're responsible for the entire operation and the revenue yes. that comes in. From. And the revenue that comes in, yes. And the portion of the store that my team was accountable for was was pretty antiquated from a visual identity standpoint. There was tremendous opportunity from literally, you know the usage of fonts, spacing to just the, at a macro level, the way the site looked, right? Because the front door of your website is your brand and every experience you have with that website going forward is your brand experience. Mm -hmm. And so we knew we needed to do a major overhaul and we did exactly that. We overhauled the visual identity of the site, but we did not do it systematically. And so what we did is we, and I bet many marketers, that are listening to this have had similar experiences in their mm -hmm. path. We were able to positively move many metrics, but also negatively moved other metrics. And we couldn't point to exactly what drove that change. Mm -hmm. And so even though we moved the visual identity of the brand forward so that things were more consistent, which was one of our goals, we ended up impacting the business results in the short term in ways that we couldn't immediately understand how to reconcile. So what ended up happening on the other side of that fail was we had to start doing micro-tuning and understanding, all right, we changed X, do we revert back or do we figure out X plus you know, one is the right formula? And so we ended up moving into a, a year of you know, significant additional testing to optimize what we learned. And now on the other side of that experience, you know, we are doing more and more site experimentation that is much more systematic. I would say culturally and, and across GoDaddy, that was a big learning for many of us involved in that work. 
successful in the sense that we achieved a portion of our objectives, but we weren't able to directly correlate what drove positive change and what drove negative change. Mm-hmm. So the perception was we were not as successful as we could have been. And I would agree. And, and we've since reconciled it by being, like I said, much more thoughtful in our experimentation approach, changing a variable at a time quickly um, so that we, you know, when we get a win, we can get more of it. When we don't get a win, we're like, all right, well, we got to go back and figure out how to make this thing work. Oh, that's so cool. You'll never go back. So you'll never go back to the old way now that you've gone through that experience, Correct. which is fantastic. Farah, tell me about, because uh, we learn as much from our mistakes and our failures as we do our successes. Tell me about a time when you flat out failed and what did you learn from that? And what have you taken forward with you into you know how you lead? I'll give you an example that occurred in the past four years when I was at GoDaddy. And candidly, I should have known better as a marketer who worked on brands with deep heritage. GoDaddy is very well known for domains, right? If you you want to get a domain, GoDaddy is consistently top of mind. We haven't been top of mind on websites. A lot of competitors in the space, and we have a fantastic product that we brought to market my first year here. And my team and I invested a huge amount of time focused on how we could bring that to market and gave it prime billing on the front of our website, prime billing in all of our advertising to the point of dwarfing the presence and voice of our core business domains. We hit our goals on websites. We actually did fantastic specific to awareness, free trial sign up, all the KPIs specific to you know, customer engagement that we hoped, but we did so at the expense of our core business. And you know, we quickly had to pivot, figure out ways to ensure that the, you know, that the domain visual identity and visual treatment on GoDaddy.com and the domain messaging and our advertising came back into the narrative. It fits seamlessly, right? You, you pick your domain and then you pick your website. They go together in most customers' mind, but we over-indexed on what we weren't known for. And then we had to, you know, really unwind a lot of the work that we had done to ensure that we weren't hurting our core business. And like I said, as a marketer who had an opportunity to work on brands like Vans that have like a very, very deep core and an mm-hmm. audience that is deeply invested in that core, it was, it was a fail for me as a marketer. My assertion was we needed to go big to get that message out, but we did so at the expense of what we're most known for And the lesson for me as we unwound some of this work and figured out how those two items could coexist was they absolutely could. And we should have Mm -hmm. done that up front so that Mm. it's a good learning for me and a good reminder going forward. But remember to honor your core as a marketer, both your core product, your core audience, and figure out how to build upon it like concentric circles instead of not honoring where you came from. And that was a mistake that we made. So interesting. All right, switching gears, just talking about you as a business leader. Uh, one of the things we like to talk about here at Marketing Vanguard is just, you know, obviously regarding and talking about the role of CMO, not just as brand leader, but as business leader within your organizations. And so I have a fun one for you, especially with a sports background. You'll appreciate this. Um, I personally played soccer. I love soccer. I pl- grew up playing soccer. And so my question to you is using that as a framework or um, you know, an imagined scenario, you're a player on a soccer team. Are you the striker 
who's at the front of the field, always there trying to score the goals? Are you at midfield trying to sort of hold the line and, and be the go-between between the, you know, protecting the defense and sort of feeding up to the striker? Or are you on the defensive line protecting your goal from the offense coming in? I love this question because soccer was my sport. So <laughs> I'll answer it factually, but then I'll also answer it with the context of you know, how, how I think about leadership. I was the center midfielder. Sometimes I played left mid. Um, and I loved being in the middle. I, I didn't score much. I was the person who was making the passes and the assists. And I loved that position because I could see what was happening behind me and learn from it. I could see what was happening ahead of me and help you know, steer, right? I mean, a midfielder is playing a role in the pace of the game itself often if they're, if they're good and they've got, um, <laughs> they're not, you know, playing above their level. And so another thing that that position affords me, and I'll directly translate this into how I lead is you've got to have a huge amount of endurance. If you're a center mid, if you're a midfielder period. and, totally. and that's my, that's my core strength is my endurance and my energy. You know, and it's usually standing behind the team, figuring out how to get them forward. Um, I remember years ago doing Strength Finder, if anyone's read that book or taken those tests. And one of my core strengths is Maximizer, which is really how you get the most out of teams. And so yeah, I didn't know that when I was you know, eight and started playing center midfield, but it turns out it's actually the right position for my life too. But it, it was a position I played on the pitch. That's awesome. That's awesome. There's a lot of responsibility there. You're, you're really like literally the connective tissue, you know, for the entire team. Um, again, carrying through that metaphor, if you'd like, but you know, who are your best teammates? Who are your best collaborators? You know, who are the ones you need to work with within your organization to be successful? Yeah. Um, if I speak more theoretically, and then I'll tell you directly, like, who are the folks that I work with? My best collaborators are people who push me. Right. Mm-hmm. People who are, are like, well, what if we did it this way? You know, a, a little bit of a, you know, provocateur, right? Thinking about things different in different ways mm-hmm. and people who are willing to think aloud with me. I am an extroverted thinker. It's how, you know, it's how I brain, literally how I brainstorm and how I hone in on better ideas with my teams. Um, for me as a leader right now, the people that I spend a huge amount of time with I spend a lot of time with our analytics team mm-hmm. that we're making progress on marketing measurement so that we can help broadly across the company articulate the impact that marketing has on our customers and our business. Mm-hmm. I spend a huge amount of time right now with my HR business partner, who I think is fantastic both thinking about organizational design and really how you how you maximize teams and get the most out of teams. Because like most software companies right now, we're approaching 2023, but trying to do more with less. And I don't mean that negative. I mean, you know, there's a lot of macroeconomic pressures that we're all experiencing right now as marketers. And how do we really get the most out of our teams and leverage them? So my HR business partner is a, a great partner for me as well. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say the, you know, if I were just to quantify it to the three people I work, work the most with, sometimes it's just predicated on the day. It's like, yeah. are we diving deep into GoDaddy.com right now? Are we thinking about creative strategy? Are we focused on how we accelerate you know, communicating with customers through channels that we own? So I think the relationship that I have with my direct reports, it's critically important that they're 
broadly aware of the corporate strategy and the work that we're collectively doing so that I can kind of toggle to each of them as, as dictated by, again, whatever's happening in the day or week. Tell me what scares you as a business leader, again, in this vein of obviously carrying so much responsibility. And I think obviously the pressures that we're, you know, we're all dealing with right now from an, from an economic standpoint are, are huge, especially for CMOs. What scares you and how, and what do you do to overcome those fears? What scares me is the broader understanding that the organization I'm accountable for has about what's happening in the world right now, right? When I step back and look at what's happening macroeconomically and what's happening for and to our customers, there's a lot of change that they're navigating and that we're collectively navigating. Yeah. And, you know, I've worked through very challenging work environments from when I was at Dell, we privatized, I worked through recessions in the past, but I've got, you know, a very varied team, you know, in terms of tenure and experience and just making sure that they have the context to be able to weather what's happening right now is what scares me is the wrong word, but it's what keeps me up at night. It's like, that's fair. How do I make sure that my team has adequate context to move the business forward and to support our customers and not live in fear? Because mm. I contest right now that there's a, a lot of fear happening in corporate America. And you know, we're coming out of a pandemic. The you know, economic environment around the world is quite uncertain. Things feel often more unstable than stable. And so how do I ready, you know, ready the ship? ready the ground under my team's feet by giving them mm-hmm. enough context to move forward without overwhelming them. Not because this is scary and unsurmountable. We, we will all make progress literally across all of our industries over the course of the next year. And so it's about making sure that teams have enough context to move forward. Yeah, I love that. And I, I, I would argue that CMOs uniquely have the ability within their organizations to, to do that. You know what I mean? To sort of allay those fears, allay those concerns, look at the big picture, provide context and sort of tell that narrative internally, you know what I mean? In a way that's accessible and something that empowers people to feel comfortable, even though things are so uncertain. So I, I don't want to undersell that. I think that's I think that's a really, really important uh, role to play. We'll be back with more Marketing Vanguard right after this quick break. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, 
right, so Farah, I wanna ask you a question. Uh, you know, a lot of, again, CMOs I've spoken with, in the midst of everything, one of the things that they still hold dear is sources of inspiration. You know, and you 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 talked earlier in our conversation about the creativity um, that you can exercise when you cook. You know, and sort of you I, you have artwork from your kids on on the back wall. I know our listeners can't see it, but you know, it looks like you're a person who grew up with creativity, grew up with art. Um, and yes, we all know that marketers need creative inspiration, even as we get more sort of dive, you know, diving deeper into performance marketing and metrics and measurement and frankly, even machine created creativity. Inspiration still has to be, I think, one of those key things that powers CMOs. Where do you go for your sources of inspiration? Yeah, there are a handful of places that I go. I mean, for me personally, where I go for inspiration to quiet my mind so that I can mm-hmm. then think bigger is I'll go run. Like yeah. I, I, and I strongly encourage my teams. I think often early in one's career, they're like, I can't step away from whatever I'm doing and take care of me. And I'm like, actually, you have to because it, it will inspire you. It will open up your mind. It'll give you some breathing room so that you can think differently. So for me, if I'm blocked creatively, Sports are a great way for me to slow my mind down, get my breathing in check, literally like mm-hmm. an equalizer and yep. put me in a creative space. Yep. And then things that inspire me specifically from a creative standpoint, number one, I know that this sounds trite as a marketer, but we have to do this. Go talk to your customers. And if you don't, if you don't talk to your customers all the time, find a way to do so. Lucky for me, we support small businesses. All I have to do is walk down the street and... Mm strike up a conversation with a small business owner and ask them like, you know, what are you doing digitally? How are you running your business? Where do you feel like you need help? And that then ends up inspiring me and helping me better understand what their problems are and how to tell stories that matter to them. Because at the end of the day, as marketers, we're storytellers. And so other ways that I get inspiration, you know, reading, I I read a huge amount, both fiction, nonfiction and business books and figuring out how, the words that people use can evoke emotion. So mm-hmm. huge amount of inspiration from that. And then lastly, you know, just quieting down and listening period, like practice the art of open-ended questions. Like I'm so conscious of yes or no questions. Cause that stifles creativity. It's like, mm-hmm. Hey folks, what do you think? Hey, how could this be better? Um, and asking questions like that, I think really inspires and encourages creativity so people can think broader. Yep. Uh, so much debate continues, obviously, around the relevance of marketing, you know, the rel- the role of CMO. Um, now that we're on the other side of, of the pandemic, the world has shifted so dramatically. And I would argue, listen, Mark, we're always going to live in a state of constant change. So that isn't really any different than anything marketers have been through in the past. But Given where we are right now, what what needs to be the role of marketing from your vantage part, from your vantage point, in in moving the needle, in driving business growth, and how are you, um, you know, making that your central focal point? Marketers' jobs are to understand customers and serve them. It sounds super basic. It's really hard to do, right? Because yeah. people are individuals and have unique needs, and so you know. Intimated in your question is like, is marketing going away? It's not. Because at the end of the day, what what we're doing is listening to customers, 
when we're really good at our job and putting products, services, and opportunities and stories in front of them that resonate with them, right? So that our products are differentiated because they're actually doing something differentiated and special for that end user, right? For the yeah. customer. And so, I mean, that can end up being packaged in so many different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why the definition of marketing is so broad. Um, when I was at Amazon, we used to talk about the continuum of math to magic, right? And so mm-hmm. you'll find marketers who are highly analytical, looking at historical data that's available to them to guide their future decisions. And then there are marketers that are, you know, really like get that lightning bolt of creativity and you know, are, are robust storytellers. Those two things are coming together more and more as we can measure more of what we do. But at the end of the day, the fundamentals of marketing remain the same. It's about connecting to your customer with a meaningful product, making sure you're positioning it to them in a way that actually matters and makes sense and that you're delivering on that promise. Yeah. Um, the name of this podcast is Marketing Vanguard, and the actual literal definition of Vanguard is a group of people leading the way in new developments or ideas. What's an example of a development or an idea that you personally have had that has led the way for your company or for the industry at large and and your fellow community of CMOs? I want to focus on creativity and in-house and what it means to have creative talent within your organization. Love that. And I'll, I'll start by saying that that might sound really basic, right? Folks are like, of course, you've got to have creative talent in-house. But if I reflect back on my over 20 year experience <laughs> in working in marketing, I'm showing my age here, that wasn't <laughs> always the case. And so a, a pivotal moment in my career that ended up becoming really part of the vanguard of, of who I am and how I work is I had the opportunity to establish an in-house agency when I was at Dell, when almost all the work was done by over 800 agencies around the world back in the, you know. Wow. Around 2010, when that transition happened, so 13 years ago, and actually, if I reflect back, I think the, the initiation of that work started even earlier. It did, and at that point in time, there wasn't a lot of in-house agency work. We were desperately trying to recruit talent. We were recruiting all of it from agencies. We had to you know, sell hard to convince an agency talent to come work on one business's problem. And we were successful in doing so. And what we found was the talent that we built, they shipped work faster. They were closer to the business problems they were trying to solve. And the team that I helped establish at Dell years and years ago is still in place today. And ever since that point in time, every company that I've worked at, if they didn't have an in-house agency, and by the way, they all had a semblance of one, a big focus of mine was establishing that in-house agency into a functional entity within marketing that really was the nucleus of creativity for the for the company and for the and for our marketing engine. And so that's a you know it's a requirement for me as a marketer to have creative talent in my organization who's looking at problems differently and to have them deeply know the business and like I said, if I reflect back you know, 13, 15 years ago, we were the anomaly. There was one organization called In-House, N-H-O-W-S-E. And it was a tiny, tiny um, 
symposium that we went to once a year with a small number of marketers like us that were trying to establish internal creativity in their organization. And to be really clear, that doesn't mean you have to go at it alone, right? Like the best in-house agencies have external talent that they rely on so they can take their blinders off and see other business problems and then it its brand right and brought to market really fast. Yep. I love that because that's an example of a decision you made and the ripple effects are even continuing to this day. Right. So it's, it's extraordinary. Um, so Farah, last quick question um, in the spirit of paying it forward and, you know, continuing to sort of build our concentric circles of our community of access and of spotlight on other people. My question to you is um, who's next, who would be the next industry leader you would recommend we interview for marketing Vanguard? I would recommend that you reach out to, my talented friend, Craig Bromers. You might know him. He's I love Craig. American Eagle. Um, I actually texted him today. I was like, hey, I'm chatting with Jenny today. I think you should chat with her next. So he is, he is ready, on it. ready to go. And what he's been able to do with an amazing brand in a challenging time is super impressive. And his energy is off the charts. So he'll be awesome. Awesome. We will reach out to him next and uh, can't wait to catch up with him and have him on Marketing Vanguard. Farah, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. This has been an incredible conversation. Um, thanks for letting us in um, at an inside look at what you're doing at GoDaddy and, and how you are leading um, your not just your brand, but your business um, at your company. So thank you so much and hope to see you again soon. In person, I hope too. Nice Definitely. Thank you for listening to Marketing Vanguard, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Jordan Pretano, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.